as a nurse, I'm trained to think first and then do. And as an improviser, I am trained to do and think later on. Hi, this is the Bring a Brick podcast, interviewing professionals from around the world who use improvisation in their work and in their life. I'm your host, John Cooper. My guest this show is Machrein Vissers from the Netherlands. He began using improvisation during his time as a nurse, working with post-traumatic stress disorder sufferers, where he introduced improv techniques to bring some much-needed fun into the lives of people using the clinic. He's now part of an organisation called Impro Battle that work with people from all ages and all backgrounds that use improv theatre to bring them together. Now... In this interview, Mahrain discusses his experience in the clinic, and I'll be honest, it's pretty heavy going in places. So if you're a listener, just be aware that this interview touches on subjects such as suicide and rape, but it's incredibly positive and shines a light on Mahrain's bold approach to the work that he does. Without further ado, hi Mahrain. Hello. Now, can I, I've done a... I've tried to introduce you the best I can, but I think it's probably best if you you did a, a wonderful uh, talk at the Oxford Applied Improvisation yeah. Network convention this year. Can I just ask you to just explain in a little bit more detail than I did the work that you do, please? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I, I was indeed a, a nurse in a, a trauma clinic for Baltic refugees, and, uh, and those were huge traumas. I mean people who had to kill their own children or being raped by 69 men in a line. Oh, my God. You can't imagine how how terrible those stories are. And um, if I came home, I like to talk about it. But at home, they said, please don't talk about it. We can't sleep. And uh, uh, the nurses uh, as well, they didn't talk about it that much. The doctors, they were talking about it, and mm-hmm. they took some intervision. But uh, we as nurses, no, we were the cool people, you know, we didn't need it. And, uh, but I noticed that my life became more dark. Yes. Uh, I saw in every uh, policeman a rapist. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, so friends of mine said to me, Marijn, why don't you do some improv? Uh, because I th- we think it's it's good for you. And two friends separately from each other said that, so the next day I called to an organization who was doing theater sports, and uh, and they said, we start tomorrow, can you come? And I started, and uh, directly, without knowing whatever I was going to do, and I had to pay it directly, the whole mm-hmm. amount, yeah, and, and then they did some tech games, some some childish games, some really childish games, and we had to stand in the line of of age. And I was the oldest, and the youngest said to me, "Oh my God, are you that old?" And I thought, "My God, I'm I'm paying for this. I don't <laughs> like this that much, but I'm Dutch. If we pay for something, we take it." Right. So I went back the next time, and the time after that, and time after that, and after a while, I got totally addicted to it. Yes, and and when I came in the hospital uh, for the traumatized people, uh, the people asked me all the time, uh, Marijn, uh, what did you learn yesterday? 
And for example, I, I learned gibberish. And then there was a, a woman from Iran. She was talking Farsi to me. And uh, I was uh, talking back, like if I understood Farsi, but I don't understand it, one word of it. Mm-hmm. So um, the whole, all the people were laughing because they saw it, that it was not, yeah, that it was gibberish. <coughs> and, and then the doctor passed by and he put his uh, thumb up and he said, so from the idea from you're doing great job. And later on he phoned me and he said, the translator for the Farsi can't come. Can you come? And, uh, and right. I, <laughs> okay. And I had to explain him that it was totally bullshit what I was doing. <laughs> Nothing to do with Farsi. But the clients, uh, they were really enthusiastic about it. So that's why they, they uh, the coffee became much more fun. You know? Yeah. Because we did it during the coffee and not as a therapy. I see. Because so when yeah. You do it as a therapy. Yes. Then people are sick. Okay, so that that's how you kind of because that would have been my next question would be how did they take to you suggesting to do improv? So you effectively just kind of slipped it in, so to speak, and kind yeah. of put it in in the least kind of in the least tense way, in the least obvious way you possibly could. Yeah, exactly. I see. Okay. And sometimes, sometimes one of the therapists uh, couldn't. Uh, yeah, the, the therapist was not there. <laughs> and then they asked me, uh, can we not have a drink of uh, coffee and and do some improv? And and they enjoyed it very much. They enjoyed it so much. Uh, one of the women, she was raped by 69 men in a line. And um, she was an orthodox uh, Muslim. And normally also as a man, you don't touch uh, her. Mm-hmm. But uh, she uh, she had her arms uh, how how you say she had her arms like like if she was uh, yeah in in her uh, next to her body yes. and I put my arms through and I had white arms and she had a black face mm-hmm. and I I I was taking her coffee and brought the coffee to her mouth and she started to enjoy this very much and uh, she was laughing as hell and normally she was stealing cookies. Lots of stealing cookies, and there's now I put my hand before her mouth, and somebody offered her a cookie, and with my other hand I make the symbol of uh, no, 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 I don't want it, and she said yes, 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 but my hand was saying no, 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 so she didn't get the cookies, I and see. she was she was enjoying it that much, and later on she said to me, Marijn, this is the first time since years that somebody is touching a man is touching my body. Mm-hmm. Without that, I think about raping. I'm part of in the the improv group that I'm part of um, in Manchester. We have a game um, called Arms Expert, which is that yeah. game where you put your arms through, and it's kind of a you yeah. know it's done for the purposes of comedy. So yeah. it's it's fascinating to hear something to be used in such a context where yeah. you know it's funny and we know it works, but then that the context you know that the, the area in which you're doing it is has so many other things going on in terms of the acceptance and the being inside someone's personal space. Yeah, exactly. That would not usually be allowed or accepted of... of no, of, normally of, we would not ever do this. Yes. We would not ever do this, but, but because uh, that's also a thing, as a nurse, I'm trained to think first and then do. And right. as a supervisor, I'm trained to do and think later on. 
Yeah, well, yeah. It's not totally clear, not totally like that, but more or less. And so, I, I followed my impulse. That Yeah, that would have been my next question. It's kind of like, you followed your impulse. I'm guessing, uh, are you quite a bold person, if you think of something, and you just go, I'm going to just do this and see what happens? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, you, you you must you must be in a situation such as that because the the stakes are so high in terms of what people would find acceptable and not acceptable. Exactly. If you think too much about it, uh, it blocks you totally. Yes. Yes, and, I, and, I can imagine and, that. Yeah, and I think if you work with people, uh, uh, I don't want to have a lot of information about the background of the people uh, better even not any information and just do whatever I like to do with the people and the people with me and then uh, we will see where we, how far we can go I see, because if you had if you did have information on the background of that person would it affect? At that moment not really because I had the information because I was a nurse yeah, uh, and I was so much into the game that I totally forgot the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the power, because they were. I was honest. I was true. I, there was nothing uh, like uh, I'm going to heal you or whatever. No, let's have fun together. Mm -hmm. And that's really that's I think the most important thing. Yeah, and so did you just do this one theatre sports course? Yeah, I I continue on. And uh, after a while, after uh, six years of doing uh, the work as a trauma nurse, I became secondarily uh, traumatized. So at, well, there was a certain moment that I uh, wake up in the prison in Holland and uh, um, the police found me on the... Uh, that I tried to commit suicide. It sounds really terrible and it, during that time it was, but thank God I'm over it. Um, because I took all the um, the problems of the people inside me and I couldn't get it uh, get it out of my body yeah, you know yeah and then uh, I decided uh, to start uh, becoming a, a trainer in improv but only with people who are voluntarily do that and after a while after one year two years it got it got boring for me because uh, everybody was enthusiastic, everybody had fun, everybody was, yeah, happy, 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 and I wanted to, I wanted more to work with more difficult groups of people, you know, mm -hmm. it was more challenge. I wanted to have a challenge. That's yeah. that's the real word. <coughs> so that's why I started improv battle. Right. And I started with uh, because. 99% of, uh, and maybe even more, uh, of the people who do improv in Holland, in the Netherlands, are high-educated white people. And, oh, okay. Uh, and so I wanted to change that, because in a city like Amsterdam, which is a multicultural city, at least 70 till 80 different ethnic backgrounds, uh, it, it's really stupid that we only have white people. It's why do you think that is? Why, why was that such a case, do you think? Was it just because it was more acceptable to a certain group of people? No, no. It's uh, If there is not anybody from another ethnic back group, uh, you don't you, you don't go easily into that group if you have another ethnic background. I see. So, the, so the, uh, and when I was the chairman of the biggest organisation uh, of theatre sports, uh, TVA in Amsterdam, uh, 
I opened the doors for everybody, but you can open the doors, but nobody came in. You know? Uh, yes, I know exactly what you mean. You you can you know the, the, the field of dreams analogy. There's that American movie, Field of Dreams, where they say if you build it, they will come, and it's not always the case. <laughs> no, no. So I started a new group with uh, a totally new group uh, with youngsters, and there was a welfare organization who works with young uh, kids, and yeah. they said we love it so much. Uh, here you have five thousand uh, guilders. It was during that time. Um, so that you can start doing it, and can our youngsters come? And I mm-hmm. said, of course. So in in a, in one week or two weeks, I had thirty to forty youngsters from twenty different ethnic backgrounds, and the most of them them had also quite a lot of luggage. Some uh, are disturbed uh, families. Some have psychiatric problems. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. All kinds of things, and um, I noticed that these people. Uh, they had so much therapy. Yeah. Um, uh, so I didn't talk about their problems. We were only busy with uh, what went well. Yes. In a, in, in a game, and I saw their self-esteem growing, growing week by week. The the people from the welfare organization said to me, "My God, what you do in 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 two or three weeks? It takes us a year." Right. And I think it's not because I do this. But because we were busy with uh, the positive things instead yes. of the illness. Yeah. So you were focusing just just focusing on those things that were fun and good yes. that they would be entertaining. Yeah. Then and not and not focusing <coughs> on the background and where they came from and and what their individual problems were. Yeah. Exactly. And like for, uh, to give an example, there was a boy a few weeks ago, and he said to me, Marijn, do you know whenever I came?" My, my first time when I came to Impro Battle, I said, sorry, I don't know. And he said, uh, it was three years ago, and um, I had a letter at home uh, because I wanted to commit suicide uh, that evening. But my friend came suddenly at, uh, at my house, and he took me to Impro Battle, and we had such great fun. And I came home, and I saw the letter, and I uh, thought, no, I'm not going to finish uh, my life first I'm going to do improv battle wow and that's wow. And, and even for me when I hear that story I I was totally shocked yeah yeah so there's some very very you know hardcore things that you, you obviously have come into experience with would you argue that the that improv is a, a, a fundamental tool that, that should be introduced more widely yeah yeah yeah, we are now uh, working in youth prisons, in schools where uh, they have what they say difficult kids, because for us they are mostly not difficult kids, um, uh, behaving problems or learning problems, and um, for them it's this is the best way. I I am a student like that as well. Eh? I'm not a book person. Mm-hmm. So for example, from improv, I have I think twenty or thirty books here in my office. But I never uh, have been reading one because I always get them as a present, but I never read them because after two or three pages I get bored. I I am a practical person, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's what these most most of these kids as well have. They um, they learn by doing. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's the most. Uh, that's beautiful. Do Do you ever do you ever get challenged maybe by by other adults or by any other organisations who who might say to you, okay, these these kids have they have problems and they have issues and, and you are merely 
lightening the load for a short while and then they still have issues to deal with or do you think the work that you do is actually on some other level helping them deal with that problem are you just providing a respite or does the work that you do actually help them in the in the longer term i will i i think in the long term it helps them they become part of a group that's one thing um, so, uh, for example, you see a lot of friendship growing between uh, the members of, of Improv Battle. Yeah. Um, um, uh, that's that's one thing. And I would never ever say uh, improvisation is the healing thing. I would never ever say that. Yeah. It's, it's a part of. I mean, um, by improvisation, you need to trust. A li- you you learn to trust a little bit more the things where you're good in. Yes, and uh, and if you have that, then you dare to go on the street. Then you dare to go shopping. Then you dare to make friends. You know, yeah. And it's uh, it's step by step. Everything is changing. So if it's if it's done the way we do, some of the people will not notice that they changed because of improv. They changed because of the group of people. They changed because of they had uh, more self esteem. You know, and that's how it should supposed to. It's like. In Bolivia, when uh, when they wanted to uh, to, to gr- grow tomatoes, yeah. uh, one priest put tomatoes in the ground and put some plastic ab- above it, and the tomatoes became really big. And the neighbors saw that, and they thought, okay, okay, if he can do it, I can do it as well. So they discovered it by themselves, you know? Yeah. The priest didn't do it, but they discovered it by themselves. And that's exactly how it works with improv. Okay, yeah, and picking up on some of the things that you've said, because there's a, there's a lot in here. Um, do you do you find that there is a lot of work that you do which is cross cultural, as in you're dealing with lots of different cultures? In- it's not only cross culture; it's cross everything, uh, because we have high educated uh, youngsters in our group, okay, and low educated. I mean, the lowest what's possible in Holland, so. And and uh, we have people with physically handicaps and mentally handicaps. Um, we have different ethnic backgrounds. We have different ages. The youngest, for example, in the group in Amsterdam, we have many groups, but in the group with youngsters in Amsterdam is 13 and the oldest is 35. So um, and the, the beautiful thing is uh, mixing everything together. That's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing. That's a powerful thing. <laughs> Yeah, <coughs> sorry for coughing. It's it's, it's all right. And again, I, it's just because this stuff is so. I mean, it's it, it's positive, and I advocate all the things you're talking about, and I think they're fascinating. Uh, but and, and again, it's just kind of to come in. Have you ever have a have you ever said, had a situation where you you might get two people from these different backgrounds, and they have had differences that have been hard to resolve or potentially unresolvable <laughs> yeah, differences yeah 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 of course we get um for example there is now in uh, in Zoetermeer, a city in uh, in holland um there is a group with uh, lesbians homosexuals uh, transgender i don't know whatever and a whole big group and and there are some other people who have not those issues and there <coughs> was a moroccan boy in the group and he, uh, he he started with saying, "I hate all the gay and lesbian people because they should be killed." And after the show, after the not show, the, after the workshop, um, he was drinking with them coffee and forgot the whole issue. Oh wow! 
and that's that's the powerful thing. And also, uh, what was really nice, he got us a suge- <coughs> suggestion. He got a suggestion that he started a new political party, and the party was uh, let gay and lesbian people uh, be part of the society. That was the issue, mm-hmm. and he himself was totally against it. But then he had to in the in the game, he had to uh, talk like if he was pro, you know. And uh, uh, and that changed his life. <laughs> it, it sounds suddenly he th- he he saw these people, met them, liked them, yeah. and he had to talk about it, and that changed. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So in in terms of the finger, you know. Yeah. So I I recall um, when I was in Oxford, there was a video that that you played, which was um, young people and the police. Yes. And and getting them to role play together. Yeah. Uh, uh, that started in um, a, a few years ago. Uh, there was a huge problem in uh, in the city is called Gouda, and the police, uh, uh, the headman of the police, noticed that all the police people started to become more and more racist against the young Moroccan uh, boys, and the young Moroccan boys started more or less a war with the police and then there was an organization from London uh, Second Wave is called and they were asked because they did something like uh, they worked in London with uh, I think people from India or Pakistan with police <coughs> and they liked it very much so we started that to do that in Gouda as well and well we never have been thinking about the effect that it would be that great, but it was a huge effect. Uh, the way we organized it is, um, let's say we have 10 policemen, yeah. then we have 20 uh, youngsters, because mm-hmm. one policeman counts for two. Yeah. Uh, the police is not in uniform, it's casual uh, dressed. Uh, on the movie, but this, this made a movie from, a, you can see the police in police uniform, but that was the last uh, event. Yeah, uh, and, and and they did it because otherwise, uh, as as a, a watcher, you you don't know who's police and who's a youth worker, for example. So that's why they have a uniform on, but normally not. And uh, we do the first hour. We we have an issue, like for example, status, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you behave on streets, and how do you behave uh, to the police, and how does the policemen do behave to youngsters and then we do some status games workshop with about status and later on uh, they start to talk about how's the reality in daily life in Gouda yeah and that was really great because we had also do a lot of competition works like uh, <coughs> games with competition in it mm-hmm. and then we mix the police and the and the youngsters and and they become automatically because they are so much the same. The police wants to win, the youngsters yeah. want to win. Yes. And you mangle them against another uh, group who's also been mangled. Uh, uh, they want as a group to win, so suddenly they start to work together. Yeah, out of that competitive nature. Yeah, the yeah. The, the, the movie was fascinating just to watch <laughs> those kind of. You could literally watch those barriers being broken down. Yeah, and and just see the difference from one bit of footage to the next and yeah, you know, how their attitudes you know that was it was it was wonderful just to watch that 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 there footage was a, 
really great example. We went to uh, it's called in in Holland Stormban and 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 I looked it up in English assault course. Ass- oh yes, assault course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and we did it also with two groups, so half policemen, half youngsters against yeah. another group, half policemen, half youngsters. And suddenly there was one of the oldest policemen uh, sitting on the top of of, of a ladder, and uh, uh, he was really uh, thirty meters high, and he couldn't go down. And first the youngsters started to laugh. Hey, hey, you see, the police is not as much yo as as we think. You know, they yeah. were making jokes, and then he said. But I am afraid of heights, height, and uh, I, I, I don't dare to go down. Yes. And then the kids said, "Oh my God, we have to help him!" And they all went upstairs and helped him down. Wow. And that was really that was beautiful. That was a that's, really beautiful moment. Yeah, that's you can't recreate <laughs> stuff like that unless it's actually happening. Yeah. Unless it's actually being done. So these these things that you do, do you do you create the project? Do you devise the project yourself, or do people come to you and you have to think of a way to integrate one side and the other? How do these kind of projects come about? Do, do they come to you, or do you go to them? Yeah, this project uh, from Second Wave, um, they came to to me, but mostly, uh, like for example. I worked with ex-prostitutes and uh, I wanted to that's a project what I had in my mind so I went to an organization who was working with ex-prostitutes <coughs> and started uh, to talk with uh, with them uh, how can we use uh, improv for this Yeah. and then I'm looking for funding not me personally uh, but we have a, a bunch of people We have a, uh, I started this organization by myself but now we have already six or seven uh, full-time people mm-hmm. in our organization and we are uh, training our trainers uh, more than 20 because we are growing every uh, almost every week to, to be honest yes. so it's, it's becoming a huge organization but we uh, so we are making our own projects as well okay and what do you have any kind of future plans in terms of which direction yeah. you want to take it yeah the, uh, no, not uh, the whole direction. But for example, what I uh, want to do now is uh, the undocumented uh, refugees we have. <coughs> so let's say they 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 are more or less illegal in Amsterdam. Uh, they are hanging around uh, the whole day. We like to do an improv workshop with them and the storytelling workshop. So we mix it a little bit. Yeah. And uh, and there we are going to mix them with uh, some uh, ex-prostitutes, yeah. some ex-criminals, uh, or how you say them, uh, that, and um, some all different, but grown-ups, uh, let's say uh, older than uh, 25 till, till 65. And I have uh, six students uh, yeah. from the high school, and they, um, they are doing voluntary work, and Every student gets two or three uh, grown-ups to keep contact with them. Right. And so this is a totally new uh, process. Uh, so what I love from this process is also nobody needs to know that some of these people are li- illegal. Nobody needs to know that some of these people have done the prostitutes work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are just busy with in this moment and looking for the uh, beautiful memories like... Uh, when was your uh, best birthday party or whatever, you know? Yeah. And telling stories about that. So they become, again, human instead of a problem. 
yeah, that's wonderful. They become human instead of a problem. Is um, yeah, that's pretty moving actually. Yeah, um, that you would say that. That's yeah. Um, so it it sounds like you've clearly had a lot of success, and the stuff that you're doing is obviously bringing an incredible amount of value to the people that you do it. Um, it's not only success, eh? I, I, yeah, because that 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 would uh, you know I was I was I was pushing it up just because I was going to then say, is there ever been a situation where you've not had success <laughs> yeah. where it's kind of you've got in with something and you've been very bold and you've just well, let's do this and and for one reason or another it 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 hasn't worked or or the or the block in the the mental block of the people there yes. just That's can't get their head around what it is you're wanting to yes. do with them. I've worked, I have uh, uh, three or four times uh, I've had that uh, some kids of the street. You know, um, they think black or white. So, or you yeah. like me or you hate me. There is no way in the middle. And um, so in the beginning, they like you very much. And they love it. They love it, really. Uh, mm -hmm. <coughs> one uh, person, he was uh, the leader of a gang in the city, in the center of Amsterdam. And we did a, a Woos Bong Pao game, you know, the, putting your arms to the right or the left. Uh, yeah. game, a game. And, uh, and 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 uh, one evening he was playing it with his gang in in a, uh, an alley uh, in Amsterdam. Yeah. And they were normally <laughs> fighting and being tough, you know. And now they were playing a game. This was really beautiful. So he became really enthusiastic, really enthusiastic. Um, the game, uh, the uh, the the members of of, of his gang. Uh, didn't like it at, at the end because they wanted to be more tough, you know. Yes. And uh, so he stopped doing that and he came to Impro Battle. And he became also a teacher, one of our teachers. Okay. And suddenly um, we did something what he didn't like. Uh, he wanted to make a, a movie out for Impro Battle mm -hmm. and he said to... Uh, uh, this boy, he said, you are good in speaking uh, Jabberish French, so you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. And then the youngster said to him, we don't like that. We like to be spontaneous. We don't like to be... Uh, I see. Yeah. And then he became totally angry. But totally angry. So angry in one moment to another moment that uh, he wanted to kill me. So I had to run away. And... Uh, uh, so uh, we, I had three or four of these moments because he was a, how yeah I don't like to say that but he was a little bit like a narcissistic person so everything when everything went well it was really good with him yeah now people didn't accept him anymore um, his idea yeah. as a person yes but not his idea and he couldn't uh, see the, the difference that's, that's something what I had uh, seen three or four times now Okay, okay, but that's uh, I'm I'm guessing the, the the work that you do, and I'm guessing outweighs that. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you you, you are going to get that it, it can't be for everyone. But it's yeah. obviously the, the good work far outweighs those instances. But I'm guessing it's it, that is the nature of the work that you do that you will yeah. get some small instances yeah. of of that. Yeah. So okay, so just getting back to you yourself, because obviously you've been doing this for a long time, and there's a load of value in it. What do you get out of the work that you do? What's what's your kind of takeaway from this? <laughs> there are so many, so many. Um, one of the things is uh, when I uh, when I was young, I said uh, I would never like to have children because that's terrible. Now I have uh, more than hundred children. Too. Wow. 
of love so so it feels like that if I have a party at home uh, a lot of my youngsters come uh, to my parties and uh, um, uh, of course I'm a teacher I'm a trainer and I know the difference but uh, I'm sure when I'm dying the whole church is I'm not really a religion person but anyhow the whole place will be full with people who are infected and that gives a great feeling as a person you know yes I always say uh, because some of the people say you do great work why well, I got you a holy man and I said no no way no way you do it because you get a lot of things back mm -hmm. that's it I don't believe that anybody is doing anything for free um, I do this uh, sometimes I hate hate it and I think it's uh, too much and then somebody is giving uh, one of the youngsters is giving me a, a compliment or saying what it does with his life and then I go home and then I'm smiling and I think yeah that's the reason why I do it okay one one final question yes just just to put you on the spot uh, you you must play quite a lot of games. Um, is there a particular favorite game that you have at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the game. Uh, everybody sits in a circle. One person in the middle, uh, and then the person in the in the middle is saying, "I am looking for a person who has just like me, uh, or wearing jeans, for example." Mm -hmm. And then everybody who wears jeans has to stand up and sit on another chair and you as a person in the middle are looking for the empty chair <laughs> that's the idea so then somebody else is in the middle and he can say I'm looking for a person like me who uh, has been called stupid and then everybody who has been called stupid once in their lifetime they have to stand up and sit on a, a, a different chair this is working as a magnet really with new groups yeah. like this and in 5 or 10 minutes they tell the most private stuff to each other and um, and, and there is no judgment because other people are standing up as well yes. and if you are, is nobody standing up then I always, always say uh, give, him a, give that person a big applause because uh, it's very difficult to be special yeah. in the world and this person is special so he gets an applause and he can point out to somebody and that person has to stand up and has to stand in the middle I and, see. and the beautiful thing is then there is also not anyone who is complaining it's just clear that's the rule so even if there is a boy and he sits there and he says I'm not going to do this you know you know that, that attitude and, and when they put the finger to him he will automatically stand up and, and do it. It's a group pressure as well. Uh, yeah. But the beautiful thing is, it's a positive group uh, <coughs> pressure. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. you, we've covered so much there, and we've been to some places that I didn't think we'd go to because I I read up on you and I've seen some of the. You know, obviously I watched that talk, but obviously you you really have been working at the hard end of improv. Um, Mahrain, thank you so much for coming on the interview and being interviewed thank for you. the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. For more interviews, visit the bringabrickpodcast.com website. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do rate and review on iTunes and on Stitcher for Apple and Android respectively. There's also a Facebook page where you can get in touch what you'd like to listen to more of, what you've enjoyed so far. You can also contact the website over a really old-fashioned thing called email, which is show at bringabrickpodcast.com. We'll see you next time. The bringabrickpodcast.com website.